Yo. Is this thing on? Can you hear me? It is, it is. I've got all the invites out. What's up, David? Um, yeah, man, we can hear you. Yes. Uh, why is Twitter uh, spaces so glitchy? X, uh, yo, yo, look, look, look. We have to get our facts right. We run, we run a big, exactly. Why is not, Twitter's not glitchy. Uh, X, X is also not glitchy, but it's called X. So, so how do, uh, how do you pronounce X, E, E, T? That's your problem, man. I just post. If it was in China, <laughs> do shit. It's like if he's President Xi and it's XI, then don't. Are we cheating? Are we cheating? Are you, are you still trolling people when it comes to the X? Or you can't I just, I, no, I am not trolling anyone. I just want to understand. You want to understand how to say cheat? My favorite joke, though, was that I said, um, was the idea that if I send you a private message, I'm sending a DMX. He's my favorite <laughs> one of my favorite rappers. Um, but yeah, I don't know if we're zeeting or we're cheating or we're exceeding. I, I feel we're like not. We're, we're not. We're not hosting a space either. We're we're what? I don't know. Exating? Exacing? What is it? Exace? I don't know, man. <laughs> I think. I think. I think spaces make more sense now. You know, since Elon is the the rocket guy. Oh, like, I see what you did there. Space. I didn't. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mario's too way ahead of us, Matt. Jesus Christ. So. Five steps ahead of us. It's not the best way. I think it's your it, first time on stage, Matt, and you embarrass me. This is how it is. Your first time on stage at the Crypto Town Hall. But it's good to meet you as well. Yeah, great to meet you. It's impossible to be embarrassed on Twitter. I mean, I think that's the whole point of Twitter. You can just, you know, do it. Guys, uh, anyone that says, anyone that sends not Twitter, Twitter on stage. Not yeah, exactly. I'm going to start. Remove. Um, it's, called, it's called X, and uh, it's it's X. And what we're doing now is we we are we Xing or what are we doing now? Um, I don't know the we, way we haven't. We've made that joke. Yet. I'm cheating. <laughs> I'm taking a sheet. Right. Well, do you want to you want to sheet the the market update uh, as a starting point, Scott? Because I'm sure there's a lot of exciting updates today in the markets. It's very volatile with a lot of volume. Yeah. Well, I I be out to <laughs> sarcasm. Well, I'll tell you that the stock market continues to rip. I think that uh, we just had a record 11 up days in a row or something, which, by the way, I don't see when I look at the S&P, but it was a huge headline in um, Bloomberg. But basically, the market continues to rip only a few hundred points uh, off the highs. I mean, absolutely absurd when you consider how far we dropped, taking a lot of uh, wind out of bears sails. But uh, we have seen before, obviously, in previous cycles, if we're talking about stocks where you have these massive bull traps that some would call them. And then that's uh, kind of what happens in 1929, for example, before the Great Depression had a huge bounce and then and then dropped. But for now, uh, things are pretty much intact, economy looking strong. But Bitcoin, obviously, uh, being as uh, not correlated as it is at the moment, dropped and kind of lost the range that it was in, uh, trading between 29.5 and 31.5 or so, depending on how you obviously draw it on the chart. So I think a lot of people holding their breath here, waiting to see what's going to happen with Bitcoin next. But uh, to me and to most people, it seems like this is looking like an opportunity uh, wherever it lands to buy a dip. And most people, I don't think, looking to short right now. And altcoins kind of uh, trending slowly down, but they're they're holding at least their parity with Bitcoin at the moment, which is encouraging. A lot of times when you see Bitcoin drop, you'll see Bitcoin dominance go up and altcoins disproportionately losing. But they're they're holding their value versus Bitcoin at the moment and just kind of dropping proportionately against dollars. But honestly, even with all of this, kind of points it out yesterday if you look at bollinger bands as a sign of volatility right now the bollinger bands are literally on the weekly the tightest they've ever been 
volatility is exceptionally low. There's just not much happening here. So it's hard not to just overanalyze the basically nothing that's going on. I mean, that's really what's going on in the, in the market. A question if you Go ahead, Rav. Uh, I mean, we did a show with options traders last night and options, for those of you who don't know how options are priced, they, they're priced using volatility. And the guys are saying that the, this is the lowest volatility since 2019. If you look at crypto and Bitcoin as a whole, we haven't had this kind of low volatility since 2019. So there's, there's really, really, really no volatility. And as but if you look at this, Rand, if you look at the four-year cycle, though, interestingly, this is you know exactly where we would be kind of relative to that, and you would expect this to be a period of low volatility kind of coming into the halving next year, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I do think though that we are going to get volatility tomorrow because I think we've got the FOMC tomorrow. The market is priced in one more interest rate hike, which is due to happen tomorrow, and I think that what's going to happen is we're going to get a. I spoke about it on the show today. We're going to get an increase in interest rates tomorrow, but I think that Powell's going to allude that there are more rates, more rate increases likely. I think that's what what what, what but that's, that's, but that's why do you expect volatility from that? Because that's pretty expected, no? No, it's not. If the, no, if you look at what the market's expecting, it's expecting one more rate hike tomorrow and then no further rate hikes. And if you look at what Powell is, is, is uh, if you look at what I think Powell's going to do, is I think he's going to say. We're raising, and a lot of the members say that they see more rate hikes in the future. And then we're going to have that the dot plot, and the dot plot, I'm sure, is going to show higher rates at the end of the year than we have tomorrow. And I think that's going to throw the market off. Why do I say that? So I had Gareth on my show today, and he highlighted something very interesting. He said, if you look at the price of oil, if you look at the price of gas, um, both the price of oil and the price of gas have gone up in, in last month 15%. And the, the the energy sector was the sector that brought down inflation in the last cycle. So what what it's saying is that because the gas price and the oil price and the energy prices are increasing, we can probably expect inflation to start increasing again. And so the market probably ce- celebrated the three percent inflation too quickly. And that I don't think that Powell's going to take the risk of getting egg on his face again. And that's why I think the market's going to be shocked tomorrow. So I think that tomorrow we have a down day in the stock market. I think. That results in a down day for Bitcoin as well. But but I want to I want to look at it more holistically. And uh, David um, and and for the rest of the panel, but William David as well. Uh, feel free to jump in on this one. How if you look at it historically, has crypto always lagged behind equities the way it is now? No, I, I, absolutely not. I mean, right now it's completely unt- untethered. And has that is there is there examples we could look back over the last few years that would be yeah terrible it's actually it's actually been far more rare over the history of Bitcoin for it to show that close correlation that it did for parts of the last few years uh, historic correlation I mean I I, I looked at it uh, you know months ago but uh, on a ten year basis correlation of Bitcoin to to equities was like 0.16 effectively uncorrelated. I mean, everyone knows that in periods of stress and black swans, when there's a massive sort of bearish move at once, all correlations rise to one, everything becomes correlated. And then as the dust settles, they generally become uncorrelated again. But Bitcoin, I mean, in my opinion, has been effectively untethered. And you can see that in the data that it's been decreasing massively in the correlation for a year now. I mean, it really started last summer when uh, Bitcoin kind of chopped sideways throughout the summer. Uh, we certainly saw Bitcoin decorrelate even further to the downside after FTX, right? Because stocks were continuing to trade sideways and slightly up. And we had this massive drop on a black swan event. 
And since then, it's just been largely untethered. I mean, stocks have been ripping up. Bitcoin's been sideways, Bitcoin down. So, I mean, we could probably talk about a uh, relationship more to the dollar. But at the moment, I think Bitcoin is really trading in its own its own world. Yeah, so I would agree with that, uh, definitely, especially recently, uh, given all of the headwinds from the regulators uh, right now. Um, crypto is really dependent on its own uh, good news or bad news, at least for the short term. I mean, that, but that's... that's... That, net, net, that's a good thing. We don't want to see that correlation. We do want to see crypto become its own uh, relatively uncorrelated asset class. No, it's like regulation, Mario. We don't want regulation until we do want regulation. We don't want you don't correlation. I'm sitting here. Until now, we all want correlation because the NASDAQ is is, is on, a, on a tear and Bitcoin is just like a lame donkey. Yeah, yeah, I, I they tend to correlate on the way down, unfortunately, which is kind of what I was alluding to. If you're cheering for correlation, it only usually happens when things go bad in the stock market. Yeah, exactly. I, I was just saying this yesterday, Rand, is that we, we sit there complaining when, when crypto's not correlating to equities, um, if equities are ripping. But um, we're happy when there's no correlation, when equities are not doing that well or stagnant and crypto's pumping. So, um, yeah. yeah. You know, I, think, I think it's 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 one thing after another. Like One thing will lead to another. Right now, in my opinion, we're still in the penalty bar. We're still paying for the sins of the last year. And when we have more credibility uh, by virtue of our own good news, uh, then others will pay attention more, and then we can then go and follow the Nasdaq tech uh, trends um, uh, more uh, confidently. Um, so, yeah, right now it's up to us to, to come back with the good news uh, to gain the credibility back. Cool. I'm sorry, I'll, dis I'll disagree with that. I, I want no correlation over it. This is David Towell. This asset class has to stand on its own. The only way it becomes an asset class that wealth managers, institutional investors need to go ahead and pay attention to exclusively from tech stocks and other, you know, I'd say risk on assets is if there is less and less correlation, both to the upside and the downside. And I, I think that that's better. I think right now the, the lack of correlation is really just reflective of the lack of volume and lack the lack of depth of market. Period. I agree, uh, and, and, and I think we just need to gain that back. I agree, but I think that when you refer to it as an asset class, I think that may not be the right referral. I think if you say Bitcoin, I agree that Bitcoin should not be correlated to the Nasdaq, because if it is, then what's the point of having a, a fully correlated asset? But I think when you talk about Ethereum and Solana, and you've got to equate those to venture investments, you know, because those are venture tech investments. Look at it, which, whichever way you want, you know, those kind of investments are venture tech, and they to me seem like an extension of the Nasdaq. And so I think, like when you say Bitcoin, I agree, that's a store of value that should maybe be a little bit more correlated to gold than it is to to tech. But I think when you talk about in uh, uh, blockchains and blockchain applications, that's actually just an extension of the Nasdaq. Um, guys, uh, if you don't mind, I do want to move because I know we discussed this at length yesterday, and we're going to do it tomorrow as well. Um, so instead, I want to I want to pivot to to the concept of proof of personhood. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot about Worldcoin, which is dominating the headlines. But Vinny, I know we discussed this yesterday, so I want to give you the mic to kind of give us an intro, and uh, just for the new panelists. Uh, and I see Matt there, and I see uh, uh, Doctor Nick. Guys, feel free to jump in anytime. We'll put your hand up, um, uh, Bob, as well. Um, so just it's pretty casual. Um, but yeah, uh, Vinny, I want to give you the mic. Give us a bit of an update, not an update, an overview 
of what proof of personhood means and, and what the utility is and what your thoughts are. Because I know we had a debate a couple of days ago on whether we have true use cases in crypto. And I would label this one as a, as a really interesting use case. Dates, smart. Yeah, yeah, smart. Um, so I think like the best sort of um, example or the best sort of description of it came from Vitalik Buterin's post, I think he posted yesterday. Um, and we he basically outlined like there's, there's, there's three ways to do proof of personal. If someone wants to put up that tweet, then that'll be great. Um, but you know, there's three sort of areas. One is social graph based. The other one is uh, general hardware biometric. And the third one is uh, specialized hardware biometric. And what he said was, there's at least you know, these three paradigms uh, of approaches that that all have unique strengths and weaknesses. And so, you know, basically what he's saying is, there is no one way you can do proof of personhood. Uh, well, the, I mean, you know, it, whichever way you do it, there's issues, right? So, uh, how do you work with them? How do you do them at scale, etc.? He delves into that in his article. Um, a very interesting take. And I, I think what we're seeing with Worldcoin is, you know, they're using specialized hardware biometric and you know it is lacking in in things like accessibility it is uh you're not decentralized for the reasons you outlined in but take, you take, just take it one more step back Vinny. like when you say proof of personhood what does that mean exactly like the way i look at it the way i understand it and start digging into this today is, is that you link a human to a wallet is that a simple way of explaining it well yes in theory well you know what we're trying to do is distinguish like bots from humans but you know, one of the things I can't get my head around is, and, and I spent, you spent years building identities. You know, if a human gives its ID to a bot and then the bot pretends to be the human, is, are you dealing with a human or a bot? <laughs> you know, so, so uh, especially when there's no physicality, I think humans, uh, you know. Can you, sorry, Vinny, can you say that sentence again? The human yeah. bot one? In, in the digital realm, if a human verifies the identity, and then hands over the keys to a, to a, you know to a, a script or a bot. Something automated, yeah. Automated. Is is it human doing the transaction or is it a bot doing the transaction? Because the human's authorizing the bot. Now, you know th that's the electronic world, right? That's the electron world where you have bits and bytes flying around. Um, you know, atoms aren't being moved uh, with identity. In the you know atomic world, humans have to physically be present. You, you know, you can sort of judge from the skin and everything else, and that's a human. And you know, your identity is 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 more sort of cemented in that world today. Okay, it may not be the case in twenty or thirty years, where you know, even in ten years, when 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 your know, AI and robotics merge, and now robots can move atoms. You know, it's not just electrons. And it's not always they can already do it today. I mean, Tesla's factory is all bunch of robots. But let's say you get to a point where you can put skin and bone and make it look really human-like. You know, Battlestar Galactica style in you know in in, in fifty years or thirty years, uh, and then what is the identity? You know, can I send an avatar out that, that looks perfectly like me to pretend to be me if it has the keys to be me? These are the sort of questions that we have to think about if we take a long term view on identity. And 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 Worldcoin is an interesting take. Well, Vinny, I, I must say I've had some, I've been shown some AI deep fakes of myself with. Um, with my own voice and yeah. i mean it's 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 actually really really scary and i think ai is very much in its infancy when we look at ai as it is today and think that it's going to improve itself exponentially you start realizing just how important this problem of proving humanness actually is like it's a real problem i know that today my bank verifies me using voice 
verification technology, but I also know that I can dub my videos in Spanish and the AI's got a vo- it uses my voice. So I think that that goes pretty much out the window today. Yeah, exactly. Voice verification is pretty much done. Uh, you know, hundred percent right. Um, you know, it still boils down to what, what are we trying to achieve here? Like, what what are we trying to solve for? What's, what, well, what's the problem? let's look at let's just look at Worldcoin and what the objective is. Um, so Worldcoin are saying openly that they they're solving two problems. One of them is proof of humanness, and then what they're saying after that is that they. I, I just want to make sure that I that I quote correctly. So if you just give me one second, I'm trying to make sure that I don't uh, butcher the quote. They're saying, Wilcoin aims to establish universal access to the global economy, regardless of country or background. It is designed to become the world's largest human identity and financial network. So it feels like what they're doing is they're trying to create human identity as a platform or a basis for global financial network, which currently doesn't exist. I think you and I know the problem quite well because we both come from South Africa. We know what happens in the rural areas. We know that a lot of the people can't get banked because they just don't even they don't even have an identity, let alone a bank account. You can't get a bank account unless you have an identity. And I think that Worldcoin is is aiming to solve that problem by giving everyone identities and by giving everyone identities, allowing them to start being financially active in a financial network, right? Yeah. And the size and the size of this opportunity is huge. And I don't think most people get how big the opportunity is. Uh, but if you think about it financial fraud, which is what an identity network would help fight, um, has to cost at least 2% of global GDP. And I know that because that's the fee that Visa charges. And that's in great countries like, you know, US or EU where there is already low fraud. And then if you look at PayPal, the fee can be up to 10% for making simple transfers. So what you're saying is like 10% in some places of GDP is being consumed by, you know, financial transactions because of high fraud. Or in the US and EU, maybe it's closer to two or three percent. If you think but, about it, it's true. It's not even fraud. Well, it's not even fraud. I mean, fraud is one aspect of it. I think the bigger loss is that the fact that these people don't exist in the financial system. They are. I mean, again, I, I think it's very difficult for anyone in, in the US to 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 imagine this. But I think Vinny and I come from South Africa, and there is a sector of South Africa which is like I guess it maybe even over fifty percent of South Africans that cannot enter the banking system at all. And the reason and the yeah, reason they can't is because there's not a good way to identify them to prevent fraud. So that's why I'm saying like that you can see it it's it's the other side of the coin. Like the reason they can't get access is because there's not a way for them to get uh verified. So I, I see it as the same side of the coin. But it's on the map you're, you're saying but but what you guys are saying is there's no centralized way of verifying those people. There's no will to verify them because I don't I don't know what's hard about verifying the identity of people. You get their fingerprint, I know the old school way of getting their fingerprint, giving them an ID and you're done and then they go and open a bank it's account. It's expensive. It's expensive. I really think it just comes down to, it's super expensive. If you look oh, at Twitter, they that's, send... That's really not what um, Worldcoin's trying to do though. Um, I think it's worth winding back a second and looking what proofing personhood is for. Um, it's largely to solve the Sybil problem. So for those who aren't aware, Sybil resistance is this problem of people setting up multiple accounts and pretending to be many people when they're watching. Which creates fraud. Which create well, it creates a kind of. I mean, if you think about where where we're at here in the crypto system, right? You, anyone with a private key can set up many public keys, so you can just keep printing identities. It's the pseudonymous systems, and the problem with that is, which we've seen a lot in the airdrops that we do here, is that that you can you can break a system by just pretending to be many people, 
and largely this is what Worldcoin is trying to solve. It doesn't really solve financial fraud. It just it just locks in a single identity. It doesn't stop that person from money laundering. So Nick, this that's that's almost correct. The the one issue with that is uh, what we've seen and and Civic runs um you know, we, we do a lot of civil resistance for companies, gaming companies, etc. We have the Civic Pass, etc. What we've seen is people buy uh, identities. So someone will go and get someone to get their retina scan and pay them fifty bucks to use it. And these people have no idea, you know, they, like they basically, you know, we're dealing with sort of the lower, the lower tiers and sort of the you know economic scales of the world. These people get paid twenty bucks or fifty bucks for identity. They don't care. Twenty bucks, twenty bucks, fifty bucks. Your money for food, or whatever, which is happening with Worldcoin as well. Like exactly, people exactly. are selling them. It, it, it create when there, whenever there's an incentive to trade an ID or sell an ID, people will do it. Yeah. And exactly. and now we've got eyeball farms where people are being like yeah. like paid to. So Worldcoin is trying to solve this problem, but it doesn't do it perfectly because there is, I call it the civil war. You can't you can't win. You, you can only make. Is there a better way to yeah. break? As you say, is there a way to exactly? Well, if I can, please. Let's go back to the beginning of like, you need to prove you're human and you're unique, right? You're not a bot, right? And you need to be able to do it pseudonymously or anonymously, depending on what you're connecting to. And then after that, to get into what Ron was saying, you need to be able to add credentials to your identity at some level to say, I'm not a fraudster and I have some legal basis to actually get into the banking system, right? And you know, to cut to the chase, WorldCoin, uh, again, they, by the way, they came to me uh, when they were doing their white paper three years ago because we figured out how to do that. Um, and they've they made some design choices that simply put them into a corner, like you said, where people are using their, uh, their identities on the black market. You can just eyeball farm them. And it fundamentally doesn't actually work to solve civil resistance or actually get people into the banking system. Right? It's just their design choices failed. I think we're predominantly what we're trying to create here, though, isn't the banking system. We're trying to create a parallel economic system, alternative economics, right? We're trying to create DeFi. DeFi is decentralized. It means you don't need your post-personhood to be able to engage with it. There's a billion people in the world without IDs. So all these systems which just attest your ID and then you're a person... Uh, don't work because we're trying to build systems which are decentralized and don't just in, just inherit all the identity issues from the from the mainstream system. So, yeah. so the solution they have, and and whoever's jumping in, jump in right after I ask this question. The solution they have is is it focused more on Web two or Web three? Like we do have an identity system in Web two, and it works pretty well. Like correct me if I'm wrong, and I might be naive, but it's not that easy to buy an identity. You know, you got to show your passport. There's a photo. There's your physical. Uh, atoms there that you cannot fake but in the digital world in web 3 that becomes a lot more difficult and that's where i think WorldCoin makes more sense well, what do you mean <laughs> web, what, what do you web, in web 2 you have, you could be online and using a fake id it doesn't you, you don't have to but the verification processes there is in web 2 are no, pretty difficult buy, to skip it's so easy to buy it's so easy to buy fake credentials on the dark web let's say super easy like 20 bucks for a passport or something it's really easy and cheap yeah, but the yeah, but how, but, how, but, the, but the, the passport. If if they have a proper verification process, they got to turn on your camera and they see the passport, so they can. Th th there's systems in place to avoid 
avoid you cheating or uh, avoid you faking your identity? Do the system have flaws and people have done tests and posted these online and showing how they're able to bypass these systems? Uh, very few of them are really, really good, uh, but majority of it. And remember, this goes back to the comment I made yesterday was m- most of... So again, we, we, we got to keep this in mind. Like in the in the crypto world, and I'll use Bitcoin as an example, after six confirmations, the exchange has no financial risk on the transaction. They now have that Bitcoin and they can allow you to do whatever they want on the account. In the financial world, the dollar and fiat world, uh, banks have chargeback risk uh, on credit cards. They have... Uh, even on, on wires and, um, uh, and and checks as well, you know, checks get, get bounced, and they have financial risk. So banks have very high fidelity systems for getting people on board, um, and even they mess up a lot. Uh, and and crypto exchanges, they they don't really care. They don't want the best ID verification system. They want the the the, the worst one that's legally approved. So what you find is in a lot of countries, the the vendors that these guys use are the worst possible vendors. But as long as they're kind of certified, they, they you know they scrape through. I mean, why would you want? Why would as a, as a crypto exchange? Why would you want a system that declines ninety five percent of people or ninety percent of people coming in and has, creates a high amount of friction versus a system that basically only declines like twenty percent? You have no financial risk when people are depositing crypto into your exchange, and so these exchanges have played on that. They played that game for the past you know decade or five or six years at least. Totally true. I mean, we're talking a lot about the idea, the idea itself. But th- that's not the issue. That is not the challenge. The challenge is what to do with it. Where are the apps? Like it's very easy to get to give somebody an ID, whether you do it via an iris scan or whatever. That's not the issue. The issue is what do I do with it? That that it's like having a passport without airports. If if you had a passport and there were no, no airports and no airplanes, it would sit in your drawer doing nothing. So that was my beef with Worldcoin. They released this token and. Tell me one thing that uh, those 2 million users have received the token. Tell me, give me one thing they can do with it. Nothing. You can't do anything with it. No, yeah, but... Actually, actually I, I fucking... By the way, I'll, I'll quote him and I'll give him credit. It's a colleague over at Solana. He basically said, look, there's two killer apps for uh, identity on crypto right now. One is anti-civil, right? You got to prove you're not a bot. And two is what Vinny's alluding to. Basically, some form of identity verification so you can actually do financial transactions. What about... Right, and everything's getting regulated you, now. You don't need to. I mean, the, the point of this is to not have identity. This is, the point is the pseudo-anonymity. Uh, pseudo-anonymity is fine in some cases, but somebody eventually, when you're starting to do financial transactions, it's a legal thing, right? Yeah, uh, that's, but it can be reputation-based. I mean, it can be. In many cases... No, the company. No, 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 no. Right. Far more over the years. This wasn't a thing twenty years ago in the same way that it is now. But reputation doesn't work for governments and regulators. You can't say, "Oh, this guy with you know the, the this dot each wallet has got a great reputation." Sorry, I'm saying more for applying for credit or doing things online that were requiring your ID where they don't necessarily need it, the, the system could be changed to be less reliant on ID is all I'm saying. I'm always convinced that, that anyone trying to build a system without real-world identity tied to credit is going to get, they're going to get hosed. Absolutely. I mean, it, I might be the only one who's actually a licensed VASP here. Um, I can tell you hands down, and by the way, we're grandfathered into Mika, like, the, and the Europeans are ahead of everybody. They're okay with DeFi, but anonymity... 
is not acceptable. Pseudonymity is, but somebody somewhere is one of these 8 billion people who are actually going to be known uh, to make sure that they're actually not being behaving poorly. So does that, is that, is that solved by ZK uh, zero knowledge proofs to some degree? I mean, we're basically um, the zero knowledge proof is telling you that the person is who um, they are, but not sharing that information fully. That's obviously sort of the promise or pitch for zero knowledge proofs. No. You're applying for a credit card. It sends them that, yes, you do have the credit and this nope. and, and your ID and information is there. They just don't receive all of your information. Nope. That doesn't work because the regulators want you to keep records of the stuff. In case that right. Goes. So the, the way the way it can work, Vinny, because I agree with you. Like, make no mistake. Like, Uniswap and Sushi Swap are basically dead man walking. Like, they're not going to be able to accept zero knowledge proofs by that's, identity. That's not true. That's not even close to true. Why? Why are they dead man walking? Well, because Mica has come in. That's why you think well, Mica and CFR. But let's no, get it's, it's, it's a permission. It's a permissionless system. It's going to be there so, forever. You'll be able to use Uniswap V two to the end of time. So it's not dead. To Vinny's point, I'll get to that one in a sec. Regulators are not accepting zero knowledge proofs. Somebody has to be the custodian that says, this is Bob, one of the 8 billion people. And in case he's a terrorist or laundering money, we can go find him. So somebody, uh, either some VASP or uh, licensed entity, will actually collect that information. Now, can they share that information to a Uniswap? Via ZK proof? No, they can't, and, which means they can't comply to MICA, and neither should they. I mean, MICA's a regulatory re regime for the EU. The world's a big place, right? There's, there's, there needs to be global financial systems that everyone can use. You're talking specifically right. about compliance to a regulatory regime in the EU. I'm like, basically, that, I'll give you a heads up. Like, the Europe, sorry, the Americans, the Japanese, the Singaporeans, they're all more or less coming to the same conclusion of, you're going to have some level of identity verification when you're doing financial transactions. That's a that's a reality. That's generally, no. Anyone can deploy a smart contract and use it pseudonymously. Like that's never going to change. Now, there is one problem with pseudonymity, though. Like, um, okay, we can use the your audio artist, your audio. Can you fix it in any way? Again, maybe mic closer or something. Okay, can you hear me now? A bit better. Yeah, not sure if you can improve it further, but it's a bit better. Uh -huh, sorry, uh, I I think that could. So basically, there is a small problem with pseudonymity, though, and I'm pretty sure that's an error in the room that needs to be addressed. So uh, we can get a hatch uh, from the word coin, but what uh, if the government actually has the same machine and generates exactly the same hash? So uh, if they do coerce us to do this, for example, in an airport or someplace like that, then uh, the pseudonymity pretty much goes out of the window. What do you think about this? I mean, it does, and, and like the so one of the things Vitalik was talking about yesterday that you might be able to exact, use the same machine and you collect the same iris data as anyone else and generate the same hash and dot dot people. Um, but I think going back to your question, Mario, a while ago, is it a Web three or a Web two thing? It's it's Worldcoin's very much phrased as a Web two system. It, it's its goal is to allow you to interact with web3 without revealing your personhood you don't need a passport you don't need any uh, any of these other documents and the point of it is civil resistance and uh, being able to like operate in these systems without having any of these documents so it's very much a web3 thing and so we're, we're trying to like compare well, it to real world id but nick what about the issue of of selling your identity because it seems to be a lot easier with something like uh 
WorldCoin when compared to traditional ways of doing it. That it was it's, it's actually it's actually harder. So it, it, it's it's harder to sell your ID when you you can KYC a Binance exchange account, for example, and then just sell your password to someone. And that why that's why you have to re KYC every yes. two years. So how, but how how would it work for WorldCoin? I don't understand how you could sell it if there's a you know you what you give your private key to someone. Uh, you can not even export your private key. It, it's it's so you you can easily trade it if you can export your tri- private key. So, so they've stopped that. People are selling like whole Android images. So you like the you can take a box of Android phones to where there's an orb operator, dish them out and get people to sign up and then collect the phones back. That's one way to do it. And so people are just like farming these IDs by just paying people more than Worldcoin are giving them. So that's how most of the- as well, that's, that's, that's fascinating. Like, like imagine the world we live in. And I, I love it. Like just FYI for everyone that, that I, anything futuristic I love. Um, this one's just a bit tough for me to understand enough to have a, a real opinion. But just imagine you've got these. So go ahead. They're only doing biometrics on registration and they're not actually doing it with verification. Right. And that's because they went with the org. If you actually do biometric verification when you log in, then you can actually track this. But again, they designed themselves into a corner. So the I'm looking at the orb. Anyone listening, if you go on Google, and by the way, Ryan, if you're with us, you gotta talk about Bybit man. Um, but before giving the mic to Ryan, if you look at the orb, it's just like a sphere, a silver sphere. And apparently, if you have ten thousand orbs in the world, that's enough to have everyone in the world uh, use Worldcoin. If I got my number, not but, true, by the way. So yeah, and yeah, well, well no, no Americans can touch the asset, and so they're not even doing the United States. But any let's country that's let's the United States, EU, etc. People can't do it, so it's not going to be everyone in the world. But no you guys, no, no, you, no, you can't do it, guys. Guys, I think you're missing. I think yeah, I think you're missing. I think you guys are missing the point here. I think you, you guys are missing the point here. And I'm going to, again, bring it back to practicality. So in South Africa, we had a problem. We had 20, we had 50 million, we have 50 million people in South Africa. We had 50 million mobile phone lines that no one knew who the owner of the mobile phone line was. And the government introduced a law that said retroactively, the cell phone networks have to prove who owns every single number. And our company was the company that was tasked to do this, or one of the companies that was tasked to do this. And we had to go out into all the rural areas. We had to go and find people that asked them to register their mobile phone and in return they'd get some kind of incentive for registering their mobile phone number. So imagine going into rural areas where people don't have any infrastructure, setting up a station and then scanning people's identity if they had an identity. We immediately realized that most of these people don't have identities and they don't have what we call a proof of address. So most is you, you ask them for a proof of address, the guy says, I live in a mud shack in the middle of here. I don't have a proof of address. Um, so I think I think what 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 like when you talk about can ten thousand of these orbs actually work? Yeah, we we had scanning machines and we used to send these these people out to churches and they used to meet at the churches with these scanning machines and they just used to scan and scan and scan people um, as much as they can. So you don't need a lot of these orbs to to capture the whole world once. It's not it's not such a big task. We did fifty million people and we did it in in less than six months and we were. A very 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 small organizational team so it's not like this is not a a, a a a huge task and especially when you're not shocked on time and not short on time the second thing i want to say is everyone's applying this use case to the applications that we have today and i think what you're missing is this use case is not built for the applications that we have today for the applications that we have today pretty much we have enough identity verifying 
uh, uh, systems. Then that may not be perfect, but they're close enough, they're good enough, as Mario says, to work. This is built for a world where there are a, whole, a lot of applications we haven't yet realized and we haven't yet discussed. And I think what they've realized is that you need some kind of digitally verifiable uh, identity, which doesn't involve something that a deep fake can can do on, uh, on on a person's behalf. And I think that that's the point we're missing here. Everybody's talking about, is this Web 2 or Web 3? It's about the future of both Web 2 and Web 3, regardless of what it is. We need some kind of form of global digital identity. Another problem that you guys aren't seeing is in countries that are corrupt, like a lot of the African countries, it is very, very, very simple to buy fake identity documents. It's, it's so easy in South Africa to get a fake identity document. It's one of the easiest things in the world. Okay, And it's real and it's on the government database. And if you want me to be Mario Norfolk with a couple of hundred dollars, I can be Mario Norfolk uh, tomorrow. A couple of hundred dollars is a lot of money here. And so I think that this solves that up by getting a retina scan or, or an iris scan or whatever, that, whatever they're scanning. I think it creates a globally, a globally verifiable standard. Now, it may not be perfect, but it's as close as we're going to get to a globally verifiable standard that everybody is on. Right now, right, just, this is a good point. So what, what are these apps? And these ones that are yet to be seen. What are they? Well, it, well, if I, I knew, I'd be, example, if, I, if I knew, I'd be building them, right? I, I am building. Yeah, uh, that's that's what what I'm, I'm glad, Nick. Go ahead. So, there's a, there's a few things here. It's like the 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 app, the ID necessity is removed with DeFi. So those people who don't have bank accounts, who don't haven't been issued an identity by their government, can can use Aave. Anyone can. And and that's one of the, so it's what's better is credibly neutral systems. How do they get how, how do they get how do they get the crypto to use Aave? Well, OTC. I mean, like, there's still OTC plenty where? of like on the ground. There's still plenty of on the ground like cash for crypto places, especially in the global south. Admittedly, very very hard at the moment. I mean, the on ramps is where these kind of solutions live. But the, to the to the question of what these apps might look like, there's one one of the big ones that is a use case is voting it's actually in the white coin uh, uh world coin white paper um they're talking about quadratic voting so quadratic voting is a system where you get let's say a token and that allows you to vote on a system and you you vote quadratically which means that the square of your votes uh it, it, so when let's say you vote five times on something it costs you 25 dollars or 25 credits and you can break that if you can sibyl it so um, this is a really interesting voting system. It's one that it like in, injects nuance into conversations and allows a single identity to express multiple preferences. It's really exciting, and it's and it's one of the things that I think Sam Altman knows is is how you can align AIs. So he's very interested in it. But it breaks if you can sibyl it. So if you can set up ten accounts, uh, you can get ten votes by voting for one each. But the single account it'll cost you a hundred. So this is one of the key systems that does break. And I, I, I build these things. So I, I build quadratic voting systems. And I'm trying to build systems that make it work in pseudonymous, pseudonymous co like uh, context. So it still works even if you don't take anyone's ID. And it's possible. You know, Bitcoin essentially does proof of works for civil resistance. We burn 1% of the world's energy to, to create civil resistance on Bitcoin to solve the double spend problem. 
So it's very difficult to do pseudonymously. You need something like proof of work or proof of stake in Ethereum. And you can you can achieve it without taking people's identities through crypto economics by making it costly to Sybil. For example, if Elon here just made it cost a penny to send uh, to send a, a message, it would solve the bot problem because people spamming hundreds of millions of, of, of messages, it would cost them a fortune. So you can do it with cost and it's it's a it's a trade-off space. And fortunately the one that WorldCoin has taken is to to in, introduce like surveillance. And that's what these systems are, they're surveillance tools. Um so yeah, my, my sort of argument is we can achieve this civil resistance, we can get to a civil resistance state. It's not perfect. We're not getting we're not gonna get to one one person, one vote, but we can get to a point where it still works and it's not a problem, and you don't need to scan everyone's eyeballs. Or doing actually, sorry, I I I was going to leave you guys with one thing to maybe discuss while I'm gone is the DIDs. The standard's been developed over the past five six years, and it's actually ready for prime time, and we're using it, and many other companies are trying to use it, and I think it would would be good just to discuss the implications of DIDs and how it can be used. I can launder money with DIDs. I can tell you that. So I can create more. I can. I've actually not had many. Uh, so when you, <laughs> are you good at the money laundering? <laughs> well, sorry, but I did. No, well, I did not but. expect that. I did not expect that. Like, like, look, it, it goes back to a little bit what, what Nick was saying. Is like you still have to get down to it's one user, one identity. Now you can have multiple wallets associated with that. You can have credentials associated with different wallets, right? But fundamentally, you're one of eight billion. Now, after that, you can get into credential sharing. I can prove I'm not a bot on Twitter, or in the case of DIDs, I can actually share credentials. Um, if you don't, and if you just use DIDs and don't have one of eight billion uniqueness, you can launder money. Right? Here's my passport and my there's, there's no system bill. that exists that you can't launder money with. But there's just always a way to break the system. That's true. I'm just pointing out the flaws in DID. DID without having the so, basic human identity underneath so fails to achieve what This is the point. I mean, so WorldCoin could plug into DIDs and say, we've scanned a retina and we will write to this DID that this person is who they say they are. And there you go, right? So there's some privacy issues and stuff we should deal with, but this can be done. Yeah. So d just to put the DID down with Biddy on this one, they're super interesting and it allows you to create a little cryptographic signature that, that, that allows you to attest some part of your identity. So you can say, like, I've got a degree in physics, right? So I can attest my degree in physics, this DID, and then reveal it when I want to in the context that I want to. So it's it's on on a blockchain, for example. And Nick, I, 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 a we're, we're, we're doing credential sharing, too. We've looked at DIDs a lot. My point is, by itself, without having the unique human being underneath, it can be anybody. So going back to WorldCoin, I can go buy one of those wallets, right? Or five of those wallets, and then start sharing credentials from that wallet, which isn't really an identity. Yeah, but you could you can build up identity over time. So if you're trying to build a pseudonymous identity, so I can exist as a PFP in a, in a DAO, for example. And I can work in that DAO and submit work to that DAO and contribute to that DAO over a number of years. And the identity that I've got has built up a social consensus of what it is, right? But who I am, people know me as Dr. Nick in the DAO. Mine, I mean, 
may not be Nick. It might become someone completely different. And I can still be trusted in that environment to the point where I can be given highly elevated votes, treasury rights, and and all these other things. And actually, you don't need. I don't need to. I don't need to dox myself completely in order to achieve that. Hundred percent. I mean, you, what you'll see from us, by the way, is like we're saying here's an anonymous, actually pseudonymous, proof that I'm not a bot on Twitter. And you can add credentials to different things, and you can do it very privately and almost anonymously. Um, again, where where I think you and I disconnected. Eventually, you do something that is a regulated financial transaction, and you actually have to show the regulators the bare minimum that's legally required. I, I think there's there's two there's two things here, right? There's there's DeFi, which exists out in its own illegal space in the middle of nowhere, and then there's VASPs, which are uh, regulated entities that are agreeing to dox their users if if required. Uh, DeFi is getting regulated. If you're not aware of that, then I'm happy to say I'm. Of course, no, no, no. I, like I I work with regulators and lawyers every day. Like I I know exactly what's happening. I'm saying that DeFi is unregulatable. You that you can you can deploy a smart contract into money market that there is no way to stop. Like that that I'll, innovation is not going to stop. You, it's unstoppable. An interesting experience. I had the same re- conversation with uh, European regulators last summer, and I was like, guys, you can't enforce it, right? You just it, it's impossible. Yeah, it's under- and they they literally in under a second they went. We know exactly where, for example. Um, all the sushi people live. We know what their wallet is that collects profits, and we'll literally turn it into kryptonite. And then three months later, look at Tornado Cash, where they literally the whole world, I'm sorry, the regulators looked at it and said, like, we don't care if there's applicable law, right? We're going to turn that thing into, we can't stop it because it's autonomous, set of contracts. We don't care. We're literally going to make it so that anybody who touches that is basically toxic. Let me quickly jump in, Ran, um, uh, uh, before we forget. Uh, we've got your friends that are sponsoring the show today. Okay, amazing. So we do have a new sponsor of the show. The sponsor is Bybit. Bybit is a perpetuals exchange, or it's a spot and perpetuals exchange. And they have a competition called the Bybit World Series of Trading Campaign competition, where they're giving away up to $8 million in prizes for a competition that starts on the 7th of August and ends on the tw- or the 6th of August and ends on the 27th of August. Now, we have established a squad. The squad is called the Banter Well Room Squad. It's open to Banter subscribers and any anyone that signs up using the links here for um, for Crypto Town Hall. Uh, we're going to establish what we think is going to be the biggest team, and hopefully the team wins. Um, and when we do, uh, obviously we will get you shared in the spoils. So it's a great competition. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to open a Discord, and we're going to have live trading shows for people who want to participate in the competition. There is a link in the pinned tweet if you want to join the uh, competition. And if you um, again, if you want to join our team, you've got to have a you got to sign up with with that link specifically, or with any banter link for any banter listeners that are listening. And uh, I think yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. So it starts pretty soon. Got twelve days to go to sign up and get KYC'd. Uh, you don't have to uh, scan your eyeballs to get KYC'd. Apparently, it's, it's just the normal KYC. Um, and yeah, I think it's gonna be super super exciting. So. Guys, sign up. Uh, let's build the biggest squad. Let's, uh, yeah. Let, let's... So, how, hold on. How does it how how does it work? So, I can see the links at the top, um, the 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 buy bit links. So, what you sign up there, you do KYC, and you have a competition with eight million dollars in prizes. 
So what happens is uh, it's teams, right? So we have the Banter Well Room team. We've already got 450 people in our team. Um, the Crypto Town Hall will obviously join the Banter team just so we can get the strength in numbers. And um, what it does is it takes the PL, I think, of your your top 10 traders in the team. And then th- that's the that's how we determine if a team wins. So it's the more people we have, the more chance we have that we have good traders in our get, team. Get Scott, get Scott to go into our team, man. <laughs> you wanna you wanna miss out on the prize? American. Get Scott to I'm go in and trade. I'm in the wrong country. He's, uh, I mean, he's yeah. American. But Scott, I, I I do have a very cool idea. I, I do have a very cool idea. If you tell me when to buy and when to sell, I can set up a pseudo Scott account. Oh, we'll just use Worldcoin. I'll scan my orb. I'll send you my hash. You'll sign up for an exchange and we'll kill it. <laughs> Does that work? That works. Uh, that works. That, that works. That works. But no, on a serious note, that is a very serious competition. Uh, I think that we've got, you know, we've got a great community here at Crypto Town Hall. We've been giving you, you know, crypto love and crypto wisdom. So I really think that, uh, you know, we've got some great traders here. Maybe this is a good competition for us to 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 try and dominate. So there is a link in the tweet. Go check it out. Sign up. Um, you know, Bybit are the, the new sponsor of uh, Crypto Town Hall, or one of the new sponsors of Crypto Town Hall. So I think that there's, uh, I think that they're going to be with us for a long way, and we're going to do a lot of competitions. And, and they, they also sign up bonuses. You can get a sign up bonus of up to thirty thousand dollars. I mean, depending on what you do, you can get a sign up bonus of up to, to thirty thousand dollars, which is, I think, a relatively big sign up bonus. So sign up, join the competition. Let's have some fun, uh, and let's win. Let's 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 show them the power in numbers. Cool. Uh, Scott, do you want to go back to discussing your orb? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just the it's easy to get lost in the nuance of world coins specifically, but I think it, I really enjoyed what Rand said, and it made me think about the greater implications of what this could be used for. I would just love for anyone to present some of those very specific use cases. But Matt, you're, you, yeah. you, you and I spoke obviously. Uh, I think it was in October in Vegas uh, in person about this very thing, right? You guys were yeah. sort of pivot, well, pivoting a bit bit at Unstoppable into digital identification because you believe that was the killer sort of use case for, for crypto and blockchain moving forward. Yeah. Well, I also just want to say that William makes a good point. Like, where are the apps today? And I think it's worth saying that there's not any right now. And one of the biggest reasons why they're not apps today is because DeFi is continuing to be unregulated. You would think that maybe the number one place you'd see adoption of you know, civil resistant type things or you know KYC, AML would be in, in finance on chain. But the incumbent industry in crypto and DeFi doesn't have an incentive to implement those protocols because it's not really their customers or their business. Um, but if we look out to the future and William, like I'm projecting what I think people might use these for, I think that the interesting areas are uh, around lending um, and credit extension uh, it, because if you have a reputation you know a bunch of credentials and one of those credentials happens to be that you are a real person um, that can help people uh, to to lend and extend credit to each other and that's we have not seen um, less than fully collateralized credit on the blockchain if you want to borrow money most of the time you put up one bitcoin you can borrow like up to half a bitcoin's worth of lending right or, or you can see that in maker and these other protocols but there's no place for you to go and say like put 20 bucks down and then borrow 100 kind of like on a house you put 20 percent down you get 100 we don't really have that lending yet because there's not a lot of um, ways to ensure that the person's not somehow cheating the system or that they are a real person and there's just not enough credentials but i think lending is a big area of opportunity for 
uh, credentials on the blockchain and, you know, identity is a thing that you have a whole collection of credentials that roll up into your identity. So lending is pretty big. Another area that I think is actually potentially could happen first is around marketing. Um, there's a lot of companies who want to do marketing and they really hate civil attacks uh, on, on marketing. And these civil attacks uh, can make it so they can't run a marketing promotion. You see this in crypto directly with token airdrops where they have people trying to farm L2s right now, you know, like Arbitrum or whatever. And this causes a problem because you get a bad token distribution. But marketing, even native crypto marketing suffers from um, from these types of issues. So I think that you could see if we can get more civil resistant credentials. And it's not just WorldCoin, like Vitalik was pointing out. It could also be um, social graph type generated um, identities or even, or even government. Uh, like I think one of the guys up here speaking is talking about how they actually do, you know, some sort of government uh, verification uh, on chain. So I think those are all places where uh, we could see use cases, William. So William, I'd love to hear you push back on those. If you don't think any of those are going to work or why, uh, but that's where I'm spending a lot of my thinking. Yeah, Matt, I mean, it's, we're it's, seeing fair drops too. Sorry, go ahead. It's all, it's all kind of in the future. Uh, when I read their white paper, they say the first use is governance. Uh, again, it's kind of, yeah, voting, okay, that's not a very, uh, uh, like, uh, I mean, it's, it's one of them. Second one is internal currency, but for what? For actions, they say. And thirdly, for HTML payments. And all of these are, are fine, but they, they are in the future. Uh, so, Martin, I was wondering, are we going to talk about uh, their token launch and... Uh, but well, you're, sp you're speaking specifically to the use cases of the token of WorldCoin, correct? Which I, yeah. I, I do agree when you read their uh, terms and conditions, which you just uh, so aptly decided to share. It, it says even in their own terms and conditions that uh, they don't know what the use case of WorldCoin is yet. So effectively, you're getting this coin that allows you potentially governance to decide what the coin could do. And those are the use cases. So I, I get that that part is a little bit uh, shaky at best. Yeah. So why 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 make the, why allow the token to be traded so early uh, when with only one with get? only one percent because and, and, because and, people uh, yes you ran I'll, I'll let you take it Garrett. they need to they need a mechanism to be able to reward people for registering on for registering yeah and all but value. do is that value yes but hold on hold on. But they, they could have given you the token and keeping it locked without uh, tradability. How do you uh, but the issue you're facing, yeah, you it's an Africa, it's an African in Africa that can't, that, that, that has very limited education. How do you explain to them that they own this token, but they can't really trade this token until the trade, until, no, they want to know that they can take a token, exchange a token for money and use the money to buy bread that, that's kind of i've had i've had really really i've had i've had that in in our old shows when we first started this space we used to give out ten thousand dollars per space and at one stage we had a sponsor with lock tokens so then we sent mini safts or something to people that won the tokens and then we started getting called scammers because they they're like hey where are our tokens they didn't understand the concept of a soft and i saw the same thing happening with worldcoin that people that calling it a scam because they're getting those tokens but they can't sell them there's no liquidity so i think that it's a necessity to have that liquidity and you just gotta you gotta trust in the team and the vision that they're gonna build um uh, but that that's a bit i mean i mean it depends on what side of the scam you want to be at uh, i mean the uh, well, is gonna be under the price of the token is gonna get 
uh, only 1% of the float or less is out there. And uh, 65% of it was given to market makers. I mean, this is like, this is crazy. How, how can they get away by doing that? Uh, those market makers were priced at $2. They're going to keep it up, up over $2 for three months. Otherwise, they're going to lose their $100 million. Uh, it, it's, it's a scheme. It's, it's a scheme right now. They should have waited. I mean, is the promise that the token is going to appreciate? Or is the promise that you're going to be able to do something useful? They are promising UBI. Okay, so where is the UBI going to come from? Yeah, William, I, I, William's I, asking the hard I, questions. Yeah. I, I, I have some insight on this. So yeah, you're right. Basically, they, they got people to literally queue up to this Orwellian orb in African villages for months and months and months. And they give them some tokens that don't have any value. And it just stopped working. The the orb operators, which are these MLM-style scheme that they've set up to distribute this token, were getting death threats. And they were being, they promised these people that they were going to get some tokens. It's the new Bitcoin. It's going to go up 10x. It's going to go up 100x. Everyone's going to get rich. And then the, there was real implications for these orb operators that were promising people free money and that never got it. And it, it, so they pivoted to giving them USDT. So they were giving them dollars and they got they, they just iterated around the price. They found out that they, they could get signups for three bucks. So for months and months and months, they've been like getting people to orb themselves for three dollars. But that's a huge burn. Like the, this is a huge burn on the company and, and it's slowing down their growth. That's why they've launched the token. They just literally can't afford to keep growing the sign-up base without that token having value. So they've gone for it without... Yeah, and, and, and to your point, William, about the float, the, the, the token economics of WorldCoin are the worst I've ever seen. It, it's it's unbelievable. You're right to say, how can, how can they get away with it? It's They've copied SBF's token economics, 1% right. float, High after, like it's got a thirty billion. It's it's valued at more than uh, there was a point yesterday when it was valued more than OpenAI. It, it sounds to me. Really, it sounds like empty. Empty. Yesterday was at twenty-eight billion at one point, and you, you. It's funny you brought up SBF. He invested at one billion FTB. Yeah, yeah, and, and he invented that token economics scam. I mean that that's that's the label of two thousand sixteen and two thousand seventeen. Um, but back to the, the the first point you raised. I think it's the wrong expectation to say that this token is going to appreciate uh, for users so early. It, it, it's not the right way to sell it. Uh, it, it should be the use case. If, if they want to make this the, the coin for the world, uh, the, the, the one that equalizes uh, all the rights for everybody, but what am I going to do with it? Again, if it's a passport that's digital, this, what am I going to do with it? I mean, it? If, you, if you look at like what they want to do, they even want to integrate like a uh, account abstraction, which is something I'm worried about as well, because basically what account abstraction does is that you give up your private keys to somebody like WorldCoin or Visa, and they do like automated payments on your behalf, but also account recovery. And that's the opposite of why we're in crypto is to give away our keys. We want to have our keys. We want to be your own bank. And, you know, I can, I guess I could point a question at Rand because he was talking yesterday on his show about universal basic income, which is a point that William brought up as a use case for WorldCoin. I mean, why are we in crypto if we're like, you know, edging towards that direction with WorldCoin of universal basic income and account abstraction? I mean, it sounds like pretty much the opposite of why we're here. It, it's not UBI either. It, UBI is a consistent pay, basic payment for cost of living. This is a one-time airdrop. They're using UBI 
in the context where it shouldn't be. It's an airdrop. Um, the only this way is an incentive. This is a sign-up incentive. Exactly. It's an airdrop. Yeah, but they kind of take your identity, basically, and give you possible universal basic income. Is that something you're a fan of, Rand? Because I know that's something you were talking about on your show yesterday. I Look, I'm, I, I am a fan of it. I've become much more of a fan of it in an AI-enabled world where, you know, you know, the discussion as to whether AI is going to be a net creator or a net destroyer of jobs is not as black and white as, as people think. I know that yesterday I asked the question and Mario and, and Scott both said it will be a net creator. But when someone like Elon, who I think has a lot of foresight when it comes to AI, and someone like Bill Gates, who also has it, and both of them are of the opinion that they're not sure yet whether it's a net destroyer or a net creator of jobs. And I, know, I know naturally we all want to say that this revolution is going to be like every other revolution and new jobs are going to be created. But the smartest people in the world at the forefront of these technologies are both saying that they're not sure if it's going to be a net creator or a net destroyer of, of jobs. Now, when you get to that section and you get bots generating the income, and then you, as a result, you get a whole lot of a whole lot more unemployed people then you have to be a fan of, of, of UBI. You have to then say, if bots are starting to generate the income and humans need a basic income to survive, maybe the solution is that you need to have UBI. So, you know, in today's world, I'm a fan, but I'm not like, I'm not like a screaming crazy fan about it. Like, yeah, I think UBI is a great idea in today's world. But I think when you introduce the dynamic of AI, and if we do get to the flip side of it, where all of a sudden a lot of a lot more humans become redundant, we then have to have some kind of of of, of uh, UBI. You have to. There's just no other way to keep to keep humans uh, uh, surviving or alive or, or financially alive. And so, in that case, I'm I'm very much a big fan of, of UBI. The the only way that happens though is if it gets given to a government. So governments are the only people who've got the money printer. So they're the ones who can really do UBI. No, like even not at all. Even if you print, not at all. Do you, you think you can do? You think Definitely you can do it outside of the of the governance. Sure, own context. Sure, sure. Let me let me let me make, let me make it very simple. Oh, what if what if um what if we determine that there is a new bot that replaces an in, or a new set of uh, of AI that replaces an entire industry, and that, I'm just giving you a crazy example, but that industry decides that they are going to allocate 10% of the revenue generated by the AI category to UBI, and that is paid directly to WorldCoin holders in the form of buying WorldCoin on the open market and, and airdropping it to people in the form of a UBI. I'm just giving you a crazy example. You don't need governments. You don't need government intervention that at all. In the, let me give you another example. Assuming that the tobacco industry decided that it is, that no, it, let's actually take it one step closer to home. The aspartame, aspartame, what's called aspartame industry, uh, because now they've aspartame. declared toxic aspartame, whatever you call it, aspartame. I don't know what industry. Yeah, decide. The, the aspartame decided that what they're going to do is they're going to take uh, ten cents in every dollar that they that they make, and they're going to airdrop it to UBI because of the damage that they're doing to the world. Then you don't need government intervention for that. You can just the industry, the bot, the AI narrative, the vertical can airdrop money uh, 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 to 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 people based on certain criteria. There's zero need for government intervention. Maybe and why would they do that? Actually, what is the incentive? Yeah, what's it? Yeah, why would they do it? Our would be the motives. 
maybe a simpler way to think about it is more like a dividend. Um, it, and so you can imagine something like a reputation network. I'm not saying WorldCoin's going to do this, but uh, you know, a reputation network like WorldCoin, um, assuming they figure out a way to monetize, they could just they could pay a dividend out to people. Maybe that's a better way to think about it. Because if you think about it, if you had like a, a public network that everyone was a member of, and it made money, and then it paid dividends out to everyone who was all you know a shareholder essentially, then that's kind of like UBI. So that's that's how I've heard. Yeah, UB, non-governmental. It, UBI discussed. It's if a, theoretical. If a private if a private company does it, they're doing it for a reason. If they're paying loads of people to live, why are they doing it? It'll be for their own agenda. It'll be for their own gain. I think, guys, I think we're in a narrative. We're in a mind space and a narrative of private companies. We're in a mindset and narrative of borders. And I think that that maybe changes when... AI becomes, you know, AI doesn't see borders and it doesn't see these government lines that that we draw. It lives in, AI lives effectively in the metaverse, you know, and I, and I use the word it metaverse. Does, right? It's it's created by someone though, isn't it? So like Sam Altman, who's creating GPT, he's doing it for a reason, to make money. Until, it's, until uh, it starts to be created by itself, until it starts to, until a bot creates another bot. Yeah, I, 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 it would, like when we get to AGI, I think that like we can easily say like there's an AGI that has a DAO that, that basically goes off earning money all over the world, puts it into the DAO, gives it to WorldCoin holders. That's basically sci-fi at this point. No, well, look, I, I don't think it's I, I don't think it's sci-fi and also I don't think that anyone here on this panel actually has enough foresight, enough knowledge as to where this AI is going because I don't think any of us are AI experts. And I think we've reached out to Sam Altman to to potentially join us later this week so that he can give us his version of 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 of, of why it needed. And you know again like when I you know when you hear their their vision when they and they're as plugged into to to what's going on then it changes your perspective. And I've heard bits and pieces of it. And that's why I'm saying, I think we're all thinking in today's paradigm. It's banking systems, it's DeFi, it is government, governments, it is, um, uh, uh, it's dividends. It doesn't work like, I think we're moving to a world where all of that becomes invalidated and we move, we move to a completely different paradigm. And I gave you one example. One example is if, if a lot of people lose their jobs and bots start to, ge- or AI bots start to generate revenue there's going to have to be some kind of UBI and it's going to have to be paid out by the bots. It's a full dividend. I kind of agree with that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I, UBI is the I'm not sure about that, Rand, to be honest. I listened to to Sam uh, and uh, Alex, I think his name, uh, on the other, another podcast from Bankless and, and they tried to have them explain this. Uh, it wasn't very clear uh, where they were going with the application. Uh, now, some of it could be that uh, they are waiting for developers to to go and take this uh, and develop the app on top of WorldCoin, which is a possibility. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, don't, don't expect too much. I'll, uh... when, when they invented the internet, when they invented the internet, they had no idea that we would be using books, uh, that we would that we would be able to catalog order anything we wanted and it get delivered to us within within ten minutes, fifteen minutes, half an hour. You know, we are we are at the invention of the internet. And you're asking, why does this thing have no use cases? Let's give it time to develop. We're, we're just we're we're at the first step. Is this the first step? And I think, okay, but can, can have they opened it up? Like, can anybody uh, develop? Uh, it's develop? it's relatively closed source. It has a few open source elements, but it's not you know like a hardware wallet that you can deconstruct yeah. and build. It's your, pretty, yeah, still it's relatively closed. So it depends on them. So yeah, it's not that no one's going no one's going to manufacture the orbs, but them. 
So they yeah, can open the door there right there. Yeah. You have to wait for the And there could be backdoors yeah. to the orbs, and already account abstraction is a huge red flag. Like, why are we in crypto if you want to give away your private keys? It just doesn't make sense. Exactly right. Well, that's the ethical issue here. Because uh, uh, look at the ethical issue that we're uh, incentivizing people with uh, tokens uh, of the word called tokens. And while we all in crypto know that the tokens are volatile, it can lose money or it can lose value or increase in value, people are basically incentivized by the dollar value of it because they're not really looking to invest just yet. I'm speaking about the third world country citizens, basically. So this is also kind of unethical, if, if you ask me. Why is it unethical? I don't get it. You're incentivizing people to, to use the service. It, for me, it just sounds like a very smart strategy to get adoption. I don't see it if, if it doesn't if the price if the price doesn't make sense then then they wouldn't be not be able to acquire customers and they've got a problem. So I think it's not unethical. I think it could end up being flawed because it's too dependent on the price. Which Give is them Bitcoin and stablecoins. Uh, they should skip Bitcoin and stablecoins, but they can't print those. Yeah, they have two words. Problem like that. The uh, people that receive uh, these uh, tokens aren't really aware how they works. Typically, they don't deal with such a technology. And I'm just uh, worried that maybe they're not. You think so? You think they listed the token too too soon? I think they're in a tricky position because on one side, if they're not listing the token, they're being called a scam, and that could cause issues for adoption. The other side, if they list the token too soon, then you're you you've got a new a, a new problem to worry about, which is the token price and and. Uh, and yeah. they list list the token in the scammiest way. It's the wrong mindset. It's the wrong mindset to think that. Uh, the token needs time before uh, it can be traded. That's going to be the future. I can not do that, especially in the US. So wage. I'm, I'm yeah, gonna, this is a token. I'm be for, uh, before it can be traded. I, I, I got to push back here because the way you used to build a business is you would build it and they would come. So you would make something. Uh, and this is what William's saying, like build the product first and then they'll come. That's how you used to do it. Or that That's one way of doing it. But what we're seeing with token economies is sometimes you get everybody together and then they build it. And I'm not saying it's going to work, but I'm saying that's the strategy Worldcoin is trying to do. And, and I'm not you spinning Worldcoin. You hit the nail on the head. You hit the nail on the head. You said, when we build a business, we build it and they will come. But we're not building a business. We're building an infrastructure so businesses could be built on. It's like when they built the internet. They said, let's build the internet and then people will come. They didn't say, let's build the businesses on the internet and therefore we need an internet. We are building a platform here. We're building rails here. We're not building a business. We're building rails that other businesses can use to solve a problem to solve problems that we can't solve with existing infrastructure. Yeah, but you don't need the token to be treated publicly to prove that point. Uh, otherwise, but but what, 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 what's the issue with the token being traded publicly? Let me give you a very simple example. Let me let me give you a very simple example of how this works. Right now, uh, I believe in Worldcoin. I believe that a fair cost of acquisition to WorldCoin is $50. Let's just say for argument's sake. And I'm willing to fund $50 for every customer that they get because I believe... So they give people X amount worth of tokens and there is a market maker or a buyer that is willing to buy these tokens for 50 actual USD and pay it to the customers for signing up. And it's a great sign-up bonus and they're using their own token to do it. They're doing it fairly and ethically. And they're allowing people who believe in the venture to fund this. And if you don't, if you don't believe in the venture, don't buy the token. And if you don't buy the token, you're not going to find you're not going to fund their acquisition strategy. And if you do, you are going to fund the acquisition strategy. It's not a Ponzi. It's completely everything is completely 
uh, 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 transparent. And the only people that can buy world tokens right now for US dollars are what I call sophisticated investors. When I say sophisticated investor, I don't mean an accredited investor like in the United States. I mean, not people that are in rural areas, which is the people that are actually signing up. It's people like you and I who are a little bit smarter. So I'm, 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 I'm confused. I'm confused. I want, I want to wrap up the show, but I, I'll give Gary the mic first and then I'll tell you, Ryan, why I'm confused based on what you just said. Gary, I know you've been waiting for a while. Good to see you again, man. Uh, the mic is yours. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you guys and uh, gals and everyone very much. This is a great conversation and a much needed one. Everyone's bringing up a lot of good points from the Web2 AML KYC to what we're doing in uh, quote unquote Web3, including new technologies like account abstraction, which all new technology has uh, potential benefits and uh, potential, you know, uh, unintended consequences. And it's important that we have these discussions and look at all of it. I think what it comes down to for web, both Web 2 and Web 3 is about the transparency. It's about, you know, with, with the Web 2 or, or, or with WorldCoin or with this project or that project, you know, Web 2 or Web 3, how much transparency is there? How much information is being shared with everybody? And, and not just how much information is being shared, but also uh, people need to be paying attention. If it's open source and transparent, but no one's paying attention, then it is, is might as well these closed source. And so, uh, you know, we, we have to be looking at all of these technologies, how whatever the rails are. And in turn, because uh, DID was mentioned a couple of times, di uh, uh, digital identity, or in the case of Web3, decentralized digital identity, we need to be looking at these open source uh, protocols, these open source uh, technologies that are transparent that anybody can integrate, such as uh, the Ethereum name service, ENS.eth, which is cross-blockchain compatible, blockchain agnostic, and uh, can be integrated without asking permission uh, where people can have access to their identity, which cannot be taken away, where people can receive crypto, they can receive NFTs without asking permission, they can have their websites without asking for permission, and uh, protocols like ENS have the network effect. Mm. They, no, they don't do paid um, sponsorships and Anybody can just uh, Gary. I, 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 I've never, I've never had you on stage without you mentioning ENS. Man, I don't know. You, you, you got to be the number one man. I don't know how many domains they gave you, but they owe you. I remember since the first day you joined me last year till now. You're, you're as loyal as they get. Respect. Um, it's good to well, see you, man. Open protocol and, and anybody can participate. It's, it's not, it's not restricted or gated by you know a centralized company. And so that's what's beautiful about Web three. Hope everybody does secure. You know, learns about crypto, learns about NFTs. I hope everyone does secure their Web3 name so you can't be shut off and your name can't be taken away from you and you can continue participating like like we all want to in this room. I appreciate it, man. And Ryan, do you want me to tell you why I'm confused? Okay. Tell me, Mario. Uh, before, before I do so, stop for an ad break, everyone. Uh, if you want to come on the show as a sponsor, as we heard by a bit earlier, um, or if you want to join our upcoming Shark Tank show, where Rand will not have a hot mic. I promise you, the Shark Tank show, he'll never have a hot mic. It's only in spaces that he does. Um, if you want to join, just hit us up. The pinned tweet, I removed them for the sponsor. Just DM me and Rand, because uh, Scott doesn't have DMs. DM me and Rand. Usually we have a pinned tweet with an email, but I removed them, so we promote Bybit. Um, so that's that. Um, and the second thing is that, that ugly logo, the red one on stage. That's the Crypto Town Hall. We're going to start hosting from that account soon. Um, so make sure you follow that account so you get notified that the account sending you the love hearts. So the red circle. Ran, you 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 kind of uh, 
you know, started making a weird argument two days ago. It's like crypto does not have any real use cases. But then you, you are making an argument on how uh, WorldCoin is, an, is is a great use case. And, and the, you know, I'll add to it. So, so there's already got 1,400,000 users. Can you still make that argument that crypto does not really yet have any real use cases? So Mario, I'm going to take you back to our discussion two days ago when we, when we spoke about this. I said, up until now, crypto has very limited use cases. The first use case is a store of value. The second use case is the transfer of money from one place to another very, very quickly. And the third use case is speculation because of the nature of the fact that we're transferring money. And I said to you, the reason why I was so excited is because I think that WorldCoin actually brings in potentially a new use case for crypto. And that's one of the things that actually excites me is that, you know, we may actually see a real mass market use case for crypto emerge out of this WorldCoin thing. Now, I think it is grossly, grossly, grossly overvalued. And my frame of reference for overvaluing, I broke it down on my show today, was I said, look, Elon paid $44 billion for Twitter. Twitter has a massive, massive... Elon and Sam Altman have very similar objectives. Elon wants to you, to create X. He wants to use Twitter as the distribution mechanism for X. And he wants to build uh, what he, he was quoted as saying, something like half of the world's financial system or something. Um, Sam Altman wants to do exactly the same thing. He's starting off with identity, but then he wants to build a global inclusive network of financial inclusion or whatever he wanted. And if you read between the lines here, they're both going after the same pipe. Elon bought Twitter for $44 billion. We know how many users it has. We know how much traction it has. I don't think we need to go into that. And WorldCoin is trading at a fully diluted valuation of $21 billion, which is half that of Twitter. Now, you ask me, that is absolutely ridiculous. That's crazy. It, it is a manipulated price because there is only 1% of the tokens in circulation and there's very, very, very strong market makers who are... We know the word market maker in crypto actually means price manipulator. So you can say, yeah, a market maker. What you are is you're a... You're a price manipulator on behalf of the token. Now, I was short world uh, world token. The reason why I covered my short is because I'm just too scared of the market makers with only 1% of the tokens in circulation. Such an illiquid supply, you, you can't compete with market makers that have 90% of the supply in their armor, in their, in their arsenal, which is why I decided to close my short. But net, net, I think that the token itself is grossly, grossly, grossly overvalued. Number one, it is the fourth most valuable token by market cap. It's Bitcoin, Ethereum, Binance Coin, and then WorldCoin. Now, I don't think that a project at this early stage, no matter how much promise it shows, can be valued at, at what those projects are valued at. Also, as I said, the token is valued at half of what Elon bought Twitter for. And we know that Elon slightly overpaid for Twitter. It's, I don't think it's a big secret that Elon slightly overpaid for Twitter. So let's say Twitter was worth 35 billion, not 44 billion when Elon bought it or whatever the number is. You're talking about WorldCoin already having 60% or 70, 75% of the valuation of, 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 of uh, Twitter. And that for me is a bullshit valuation. So I think it's grossly overvalued. Um, I think it's grossly overvalued. I do think it's going to have amazing, amazing use cases. I think it's an amazing experiment. I think it solves an amazing, amazing real world problem in a very practical way. But that said, I'm not willing to pay 21, 20, 23 and a half billion dollars fully diluted valuation for it. That's, that's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Quickly, quickly, Rand, just to add to that, it's actually what I wrote a newsletter about this morning, but it's not just X and WorldCoin. I mean, this is 
effectively Apple's future mandate as well. And they're the biggest player here with Apple Pay. They've also said that they want to build an inclusive financial system for the entire world. So this kind of is the battle for the future. That's A. And then B is, once again, Mario, to answer your casino question, the token itself is a part of the casino. The platform or the technology or whatever is being built, that could be a future use case for blockchain. In my opinion, yes, it needs a token to incentivize people, but it does not need a token that's valued at 28 billion FDV to operate. So once again, you're back to why does this necessarily need a token? It was so they could print a bunch of money and incentivize people. And if that's what we're accepting, that's fine. But this is not saying there's a use case for the cryptocurrency. It's saying another use case potentially for blockchain technology. Cool. All right, guys. Um, I think it's a good place to wrap it. I, uh, uh, you know, from my end, I, I'm not going to talk about the market cap or the, the price of the coin. I think the use case is is really exciting for me. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, but I'll leave the valuations for the for the uh, analysts. Um, guys, we'll see you again tomorrow morning. Appreciate you all, and uh, yep, have a good day.